0: Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Anthem podcast. Uh, it's great to have you listening. For those of you guys that uh, don't know who I am, I'm Matt Larson. I'm one of the pastors at Anthem Church and really, really excited to be with you guys on the podcast. Uh, we've been going through a This Is Anthem series on Sundays at Anthem Thousand Oaks, going through our different values, the things that have um, that we've really felt like God's given to us as a church to uh, hold on to um, and make sure that as we make decisions, as we lead, as as we live our lives as followers of Jesus, that these things are actively present. So we've been teaching through those. And this last Sunday, Kevin Bailey taught on generosity. Uh, And if you listen to the message, you might've heard that there was very little talk about finance in that generosity, Uh, because we do see generosity, though it absolutely has a financial aspect to it as so much more than that, that there is a life posture of taking what has been given to us, what's been entrusted to us, and- using that or stewarding that for the kingdom of God. And so that's the, the picture and very grateful for Kevin getting up to teach and, and super excited about the opportunity to have him in. Today, I've got Luke Salzarulo with me. How'd I do on the pronunciation of your last that's name?
1: That's it. Luke Salzarulo. Here present.
0: Pro. All right, perfect. Uh, and I've asked Luke to come in just again, some, what we've been doing with these podcasts is talking to people that we see um, living out these values. Granted, none of us are perfect, none of us are even living them out perfectly, but the idea of who embodies the the picture of generosity, and we've seen Luke and his wife Talia live their lives in a distinct way, and I wanted to ask him some questions about that. So before we start, Luke, would you share a little bit of your life story, maybe give us who you are in a minute or two?
1: Absolutely. If you wanted a really good podcast, you should definitely invite my wife on. She is hilarious, but I'll do my best to keep you guys (laughs) riveted here at the edge of your seat. Perfect. So um, again, I'm Luke Salzarulo, and I have uh, my beautiful wife Talia, is my wife and life partner, and gift, and just amazing um, all around house mom and 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 homemaker, and just she's great at everything, and I can't say enough about her. But she um, she's gonna pay me later for that. <laughs> and then my uh, my son Harvey, who I'm looking at through glass right now. He's eight years old and um, curious about science and probably has bothered you and asked you some kind of question. So you'll know exactly who he is. And Rose uh, is six years old. She frequently dresses as either a unicorn or some kind of permutation of unicorn, fairy, mermaid type thing. And you'll see her at church too. So um, say hi to us. We'd love to give you a hug or a social distance elbow or whatever you're into just to say what's up. A uh, quick story for us. Um, we're a family that loves and serves Jesus and, um, that's come at a long journey for me, um, but I'll try to sum it up here. Really, um, I knew about God, but became uh, connected with Jesus and the Holy Spirit in my life as a teenager. I went through an experience where I went on a short-term missions trip where I had no idea what I was doing. I really just kind of found myself on a bus headed um, to some town you know, in uh, the Dominican Republic and over to Haiti. And it was a rowdy bus. We were throwing things out the window. It was terrible. Um, I like, I finagles a local guy to let me get a motorcycle, and I was doing wheelies down the street on a two-stroke motorcycle. Great missions trip. I, I thinking about those leaders. I just kind of laughed to myself. I like, how did that happen? Oh, uh, anyway, besides like a cash pool tournament that I was part of, and some other silly things, throwing things out a hotel window. In between all that, the Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of me. And an experience that was so profound and so immediately um, just life-changing and transformative where I thought I'm either going to be the real deal or I'm going to fake my way through, and I wanted to be the real deal. Wow. The experience was quick and simple like this. Um, I went to a a building. Somebody told somebody else in French that was translated to Spanish and then to English that this was a home for special needs um, kids and orphans. So I go up this really oppressively, um, hot, humid hallway made of stone and concrete and brick. And, um, you know, up the stairs and just in the middle of this city, I couldn't tell you anything about it. And at the end of this hallway, there's uh, an open area and a kid about my age. Um, he's in a rebar enclosure and in the enclosure, there's a pan with some food, and like a five-gallon bucket, and I saw him. I looked in his eyes, and I just lost it. Everything about my life to that moment changed, and I saw um, into the eyes of real suffering, and my suffering or anything I had gone through paled in comparison and disappeared And my heart ached. And I'll be honest, at that moment, all I felt was guilt and shame. And I felt um, a deep regret for decisions in my life leading up to that moment. But the Holy Spirit used it. And he showed me that in a way, I was also a kid in that cage, trapped and not realizing that I was. And he freed me. So I walked away from that and spent the next um, 10, 15 years of my life Uh, Doing missions to Central America and Latin America and uh, leading teams and taking snot-nosed bratty teenagers on similar experiences to see this, right? I mean, that was part of my mission was to open up the world. And actually tonight I'm having dinner with one of those teenagers. She's coming over. She's a mother of two. She married a guy. Um, oddly the guy's name is Luke, the guy she married, but I'll move past that <laughs> anyway. So she's coming over tonight to have some of my wife's cookies and hang out with us and see her. And, and, um, I just, the Lord is amazing what he does. Wow. And, um, can we jump into generosity? Cause I, I find such that. a good segue. Yeah. Yeah. Here it is guys. Without knowing who God is. Well, here, here's what it is. If, if you really believe that God is who he says he is, then you know, there's enough. There's no scarcity in the kingdom of heaven. Huh. There's none. The economics are unbelievable. You think, actually, Congress, I think, probably subscribes to this. Just kidding. This is political, <laughs> but I'm moving on. No, but there is. There's just blank checks. Yeah. Whatever God wants to do, he can do, and he will do it. And If you believe it, you walk around seeing everything through that lens. You know God is going to take those pieces of bread, those crumbs, and turn it into whatever he wants to do. And he made everything around us. And if you walk, the reason the, the reason the Bible starts with Genesis is to really to set the record straight. Everything is from the Lord and everything is for the Lord. And so it's our responsibility to be stewards of that. And it's an opportunity to worship. That's it. That's the end of it. God made it. We honor him through what we do with it. Even time. It's a tangible thing. And, and, and the, in the eyes of the Lord, it's completely irrelevant. He's going to do what he's going to do when he's going to do it. We need to be faithful to honor him and worship him along the way. In that moment, seeing that person stare back at me and seeing myself stare at myself in the mirror. um, I just knew, I knew that the Lord even amidst suffering in the midst of suffering uses it for his glory. That's really difficult theologically to swallow. It's really like, challenging to describe to somebody in the middle of suffering. I would not recommend that by the way.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, just be there with them and be present with them. And then, you know, I was motivated. I just said, I want to do something about it. And I did. And you know, uh, the Lord's going to do what he's going to do. We can, we can try and and it'll honor him. But really if we see the Lord as supreme and we really believe that he is in everything through it and we abide in him, then there's enough. And there's always enough. And then how could we not give like, what are we actually giving actually like step away from it for a minute? Like it's all the Lord's. And then we're like, Oh, that's mine. It's like, what? Like, that's the lie. The lie is that we own anything even for a moment. Like it is all the Lord's like every breath, every heartbeat, every moment. I mean, there's like this number that every cell in our body reproduces like every seven years. Mm-hmm. Like the Lord is, I don't know, that might not be true. Check the Snapple cap, <laughs> but like the Lord's doing that. Like there's no way. And it's funny to me. I have a lot of friends cause I, I work in academia. So I have a lot of friends that basically, um, I don't know. I don't want to set them up as a straw man. Cause that's not fair. They're not even here to defend themselves, but basically they, they, they have a belief that the world is chaos and that, everything came from nothing and we just exist as an accident. And I, I, I challenge him all the time because that takes way more faith yeah. than a designer. That takes way more faith than understanding that, no, there is a purpose to this and that it all is going to, going to absolutely every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess. So, we get a short moment, a short opportunity. It really is like a kid standing at the edge. Like, you know, you count to three and you want to dive in the pool. You just got to jump before you get to three. Uh, you got to move quick because the Lord's going to move. And if you're not ready and willing to say, yes, Lord, here I am. Send me. He'll move on and he'll get it done. He'll pull somebody else in you don't have to worry about the resources being there because God will have them. it's so whether or not we're going to be the guy at the end of the story that says, you know, that's told good, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, you, 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 you used it up, you invested it. We see interest. We see something happen. And the good news is like on top of that, you're good. Like God loves you. And if you don't, if you mess up, (laughs) like on the way here, I actually had never been through the intersection behind Jan's marketplace. It was like not a four way stop. And I got <laughs> honked at, it <That> was terrible, <laughs> but um, you know, like, it's okay. Like I gave the guy a wave and I was like, I'm sorry, you know? And that's kind of like Jesus paid for it. Like, so the generosity extends even beyond like our responsibility to be good humans or whatever. We could totally stink at that. And the Lord's going to be faithful because it's hard to get through hangups. It's hard to put baggage down. Yeah. It's not, it's not as easy as I'm making like, Oh, everything's God's just give it to him. No, like the natural tendency of people is to be afraid and to allow love God's love to penetrate that takes work and intentionality. And you have to be humble and look for those opportunities. You can't just sit there and think it's going to happen automatically. You really have to do the work to realize why you're doing what you're doing and that ask yourself the hard questions about your motives. I I really truly believe that if people become more honest about why they're doing what they're doing, the answers are pretty ugly in a lot of cases. And I'm not saying that to be disparaging or to be rude or even to try to color um, a lot of Christian efforts, but there is this um, there is an idea of toxic charity And that's on the other end of the spectrum where people are doing these things to worship themselves or, or worship anything other than God. Yeah. Right. I mean, like there's, there's a lot of good things that can be done for all sorts of reasons, but if it's not for the Lord, it's really just noise. Yeah. It's just noise. And that's when, that's what Corinthians is saying. If you have not love and, and God is love. Right, so if you if you're doing it just to do it, it's cool, whatever. But if you're doing it for the Lord, that's the worship and that's the generosity. So I don't have three points, and I've talked a long time. So I'll take <laughs> a deep breath and let you kind of jump in. What, yeah. what do you want to hear more? Oh, of? dude, I've got I've got probably about sixty
0: questions from all of that, and that I just really appreciate you sharing, even hearing from. Uh, from that moment in the DR or Haiti, whichever one it was, where that, where that happened until now. You know, it's funny to
1: be honest. I don't even remember. Yeah. I remember like, I think it was in Haiti Okay, and somebody's like, Hey, do you want to go in a van? But then I'm like, wait, did I, yeah, I went in, I got my passport stamped, but was it, which side of the border was on? I don't even remember. Like, I honestly don't. It's been, it's been long enough. Oh my goodness. So, I mean, from that, from
0: that moment, God has been working in you and shaping this, what is very clearly an embedded theology in you. You you guys can't see this, but Luke doesn't have notes in front of him. He's not, uh, these aren't talking points. I didn't even really give him that much of a prompt in terms of preparing for this podcast. This is stuff that, uh, that God has been working in you. So here's, here's maybe the question that, that I've got for you, um, Along the way, as God's been kind of shaping this heart of generosity in you, what have been some of the major roadblocks, um, aspects that you've had to overcome, things that you've had to lay down, something along those lines? Yeah. What would have been the challenging points to developing a heart and a life of generosity?
1: Yeah. And that's a great question. And it leads to a really difficult answer, but I'll throw it out there. Okay. Where I learned generosity and saw it modeled was a, Uh, a a bicameral relationship between an abusive family, right? That was my model for um, like, you know, my origin and all that psychological mumbo jumbo, but also in some ways a broken clock is right twice a day. They were super rad and super generous. They would just go to Costco and buy thousands of dollars of food and give it away out of the back of a pickup truck And they were totally weird about it and odd and made a show of it, but like they did it. Like you have to give them, you know, my, my brother's upset a lot because he, well, my brothers, both of them, I I grew up as a middle kid. I totally was exactly what you're expecting. I gave everybody the hardest time, hated school, hated everything. Um, But um, we had this moment where uh, my dad put a bunch of bikes in a storage shed on our property. And he said, these are not your bikes. I believed my dad. I knew what he was going to do. But my older brother, uh, apparently he didn't. And he was devastated Christmas Eve when those bikes went to our neighbors. And we had dumpster bikes. That's what we had. He bought bikes for the neighbors. And like my dad uh, did that. My mom and my dad both do all sorts of cool stuff. And they're imperfect people, but God used them in amazing ways and wow. taught me to just like be generous and, and do stuff like that. So what's hard for me, even as I'm talking about it now, it's hard for me to sort out all the good lessons that my parents instilled in me, just this entrepreneurship. I'm not a business owner, but I just have this kind of like, um, yeah, built in kind of skill set that yeah. a business owner would have. Um, I mean, I had a check-in account with an overdraft at like, I, like a $2,500 overdraft. I was nine years old. It was <laughs> weird. I think that was for tax evasion on my parents' purpose, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, like God uses it, right? I'm not kidding. I think it kind of was. Um, but all that to say, um, you know, I think about the, the, my process as a kid growing up and God redeems it, God changes it. And he's blessed me with like the coolest little boy and little girl Mm -hmm. that I get my runbacks as it were, you know, I get to be, you know, that moment and that love and do, do it right with him Mm -hmm. and God's redemptive in that. And that'll bring me to my last little tiny thing. Um, this is the image the Lord put in my heart before I knew I was going to be on this podcast today. This is what he was speaking to me. When the Jewish people were in exile in Persia and Babylon, uh, they got sent back finally after many, 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 many awful years um, in servitude and um, all these terrible things. You can read about that. But there was this moment of victory where the, the children of Israel returned to Jerusalem, Jerusalem's in ruins. This is an Ezra. And they're looking around and there's like a bunch of people there that don't really belong there and they're freaking out. They are scared. It said, you know, it says in chapter two that they're scared. And in chapter three, their first order of business, once they get settled and they get there is to rebuild the stones, the broken stones of the altar in front of the temple and they sacrifice on it. And that's the image I'm going to draw in for my broken past and the hurt and shame and all of the things that I was carrying, you know, like what is detached from pilgrim, rolls down the hill and goes into the tomb and is sealed up by the blood of Jesus. That's what he wants from us. He wants to take those broken pieces, pull them together and worship him. Whatever we have, whatever's within our grasp and in our reach. And if we have the true faith and understanding uh, of who God is, it's all there and we can believe him even for the healing of broken stuff. That seems like it's never going to be put back together stuff that looks like it's a terrible, terrible mess and condition. He will rebuild it. He rebuilt Jerusalem for, you know, for the Jewish people tell, you know, tell the story continued. Yeah. (laughs) You know, he's rebuilding my life until the story continues and I am just faithful to worship in that moment, in that opportunity. And that's it. That's all we can do is just worship him. And, and that's how, that's what generosity should be. It should be acknowledging who God is and, and who owns it all and just um, using it to honor him. And just
0: looking at Ezra three, even while you're, while you're talking about that and just seeing that, um, that starting point of worship, exactly like what you're talking about right now, that they pulled these broken pieces together. They built the altar and they worship the Lord. Yeah. And then that was the rubber bell. That, yeah. That's a,
1: yeah. I want to say it's like Barney's a bell. Is that a bad joke? <laughs> that's a bad joke. Oh, and then um, the other piece is is that is his name is Yeshua, uh, wow. Jeshua. Je- and yeah. I, I I'm thinking that's an analog for Jesus yeah. Messiah. Yeah, and and it's what's modeled to us is that worship and that sacrifice. And Jesus paid it, man. Yeah, he paid it all. We're just here. Yeah, I mean we we don't have a ton of time left, but
0: mm-hmm. I I just kind of want to explore this a little bit, even the idea that. If somebody is going to be truly generous, like I know you talked about toxic charity and that kind of thing, but truly generous, meaning Jesus-filled, spirit-filled generosity, then they will be a worshiper of God. But also the the converse is true. If, if somebody is going to be a worshiper of God, it's going to produce generosity because that's in his character. That's who he is, that type of thing. Just seeing, seeing the connection between worship and generosity as you're talking is a huge encouragement to me because it's not... Again, I don't I don't want to get into teaching on the podcast, but it, it's not that we uh, love God and then have to just kind of produce this separate idea of, I'll even use the word charity, where we just have to come up with money to give to people that need it. But rather, there is this idea that when we look at God and all that he is and all that he's done and all that he said about us, it produces in us a different kind of being, a different kind of person, that says, okay, well, everything that I have is God's, and so my job is to let the world experience that
1: spirit and truth. Yeah, yeah, in that moment, and it, whether it's a penny, it's all you got, or mm-hmm. it's everything you got, and you're, you know, God's going to use it. I, I just, it is, um, it is hard to see how often Jesus spoke to folks who were getting it wrong. Yeah, and I think when he would, if he would walk into a modern church, a he, he probably be flipping a lot of tables. Yeah. You know, yeah, and I, and. It's uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable, but that's where we belong. is is right in the middle of that. And God, yeah, being humble enough to admit when we're when we're off track and just get right back on. Yeah, yeah. Hey, thank you so much for the opportunity. I don't know if we're wrapping yeah, up. Yeah, we're wrapping going, up, I can and feeling.
0: Luke, thank you. Just it was it was kind of a journey just hearing you talk and tell the story of your life, but also give us a foundation or yeah. understanding of generosity and how it's taken shape in you. And
1: anyone hearing my voice, um, tap me for coffee. I'm good for it. I like a medium roast, and we'll grab it. So let awesome! Me know.
0: If you don't know Luke, uh, he is often on guitar, up on stage, and just it was such a joy to to see your heart of worship as you help lead us in worship, and we're super grateful for that. So uh, once again, that's Harvey, that's Rose, that's Talia, and that's Luke, and they've been a great, um, just a great part of our church family, and such a joy to to watch them live life um, by faith. So thank you guys for listening. I uh, hope it was an encouragement to you. Have a great day, and we'll see you soon. Bye.